about the intersection of reality television and critical theory. Um, I just want to note that you guys just missed the hour-long pre-podcast conversation where Gemma and I gossiped, but maybe if we make a big one day, um, yeah. you'll, get to, you'll get to hear some of that. Who knows? You know Who knows? I mean, it, right now it's, it's too risky to publish. Yeah, you need to. We're be... not protected enough. We don't have our our ducks in a row legally to uh, publish our gossip. <laughs> My ducks are extremely askew. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yes. Hello. Hello. Uh, it's been a while since we recorded because we've just been ruminating and watching stuff. Um, most specifically, we want to kind of continue our recap of the Beverly Hills reunion that you know was kind of positioned as this sort of super bowl marathon of a reunion that's a month long and we're now three weeks into it and last night wednesday uh the third part premiered um and so we're coming off of watching that as well as part two's reunion last week yeah and i'm really i mean i'm i'm excited to talk about the week two and week three of the reunion for a lot of reasons, but I think one of them is because of like the, I guess like wannabe media attention. It's not like they're big like media events, but I think that Bravo and like the various like people of Bravo, including like Andy Cohen and the Beverly Hills Housewives, but also like other famous housewives, people really built it up yeah. to be this thing, a reveal, a reunion. But it's kind, I mean, like, obviously, right? It's like fallen flat. Yes. I think that reality television, it because it it happens after the fact. Yeah. Right? Because it's not immediate, it's not a live stream, it's edited. I think that a lot of that just makes it like it's boring because it's already mm -hmm. part of like the recent past. Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, not to sound like, or whatever, I don't really care, but, you know, it, not to sound like a boomer, but um, the technology or social media or ways of like viewing and watching, right? Yeah. It's very immediate. Yeah. And even if it's not actually immediate, it seems immediate. Like I'm thinking of someone like Emily Mariko. Mariko? Do you know who she is? No. Oh, she's great, actually. See, I'm more boomer a, than you. Well, I just, like, I get, like, the one great story by, like, New York Magazine or whatever, and I think that, like, she was the subject. I, I don't know. I saw it on Twitter or something. But um, Emily Mariko is this, I guess, like, late 20s, very skinny, pretty, you know, like, not, like, drop-dead gorgeous, but, like, probably could be a model because of her 
body type. She does these, she does these like really cool, fun TikToks. That's just like her making food, but she doesn't really explain it. She just kind of like uses the noises of the kitchen to create this like ASMR of making meals. And she's very clean. She's very precise. The food Mm. always looks good. And they always end with her taking like a tiny little mouthful and being like, Mm. (laughs) like she's so surprised how delicious her food is every single time and I was reading this article and it was just like one of the appeals is that like she's so fit like she's so skinny and beautiful that but she like eats these foods that are kind of like high carb you know like she'll make like a bolognese or she eats like a lot of rice or like meat or whatever that it just like it feels like you can relate to it and I feel like you know but it's very immediate because she posts like three times a day breakfast lunch and dinner like blah 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 but you know the the reunions aren't like that we don't we don't know what they ate for breakfast right yeah I, I was thinking about this too and we've touched on this before um a lot about with the Kardashians because they kind of are the most I feel like their show was the most clear in like straddling those two media forms where they were like social media famous influencer kind of thing. And they like do the Snapchat and they do the like constant what's happening in their day on social media, as well as have their filmed and edited TV show. So they, they were really successfully able to do both of those things. And they, that's kind of like their, that was their role. And I feel like with Bravo and the housewives, like, they're not influencers. They're like older women that are on TV and like their whole thing is like contained to the show. Mostly I would, I would say it used to be more entertaining because like there wasn't that element of like the influencer TikTok thing that was as present in the media. And now, now you're like, okay, what? And I feel like maybe that's partly why they're like hinging on this, like legal drama and stuff. Like this reunion is really disappointing because they're just making, that's the other thing I want to talk about is like, they're making us like, wait and see what's next. And it's kind of the kind of what's next format feels like deeply old world at this point, the kind of like, wait and see tune in next week, because I feel like even like binging TV shows, you know, like there's, there's even reality shows that come out all at once on Netflix, like too hot to handle and shit like that, you know, that you, that you just are present and, and, and this show still has the model of it comes out every week. And the reunion, they keep, they always, you know, the, the whole half of the reunion time is teasers about what's going to happen. And I rewatched part two today and they use the same clips for the teasers. So it's just like, okay, what's next? And they're trying to just drag it out. And like, as if there's going to be some bombshell, Erica's going to admit to her wrongdoing. That's not going to happen. And in the meanwhile, they're just filling it in with all these stupid subplots about the other people that like weren't even really mainly focused on in the show. So it's pretty boring. Yeah, right. I mean, this is like the month long reunion. But first of all, it was only it was like it's like a 10 hour day. Right. Split into four parts. And it's also um, the whole season is kind of a reunion. Well, I mean, not it not 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 like that, but it's just like it's all happened after. Mm-hmm. It's, maybe that's not a good I don't know but you know I was actually I was thinking about that because um of two things so first is Crystal yeah and Crystal's young she's 38 which is how old like Jax Taylor is in like season 
five of Vanderpump <laughs> rules, which is really funny to like think of those as like class stratifications or like measuring success and how they're the same age, but Crystal is like already elevated to like a housewife, which means right. that she is really wealthy and quote unquote happier, um, more content in her life paradise life um but but also like the way that it was so like it was like very um like not funny haha but uh but funny in like a deep like stomach turning way when crystal was like or i think andy said something like wow like i can't believe that you've been receiving like twitter hate messages for being asian and she was like yeah like I receive hundreds a day, right? Mm -hmm. And then uh, that's not the funny part, obviously. But then Andy was like, this was the funny part. Andy was like, well, I'm really sorry to hear that, Crystal. But, you know, I loved hearing about your culture. I was so happy to, like, see your culture. And I think the women were, too. And all these women who are, like, 10 to 20 years older than she was like, thank you for sharing your culture with us. And I thought that, and you know, she reacted to it. She was like, yeah, like, thanks for like being open with me. Like, thanks for like listening to me. Thanks for like being chill with the dumplings or whatever. I don't know. And I, I, th I felt that there was something so like old or so like uh, not contemporary about yeah. that, like on that, like very almost like antiquated at this point understanding of like, racial and cultural difference where for sure her like acceptance is only as an other right like kyle was like yes i love you crystal i love your dumplings like oh my I god love lisa cut to lisa renna being like i did a dumpling i was like oof, i know no i mean it's just like it's just funny because it's like the it's so not contemporary like even though it's current it's not contemporary and i don't no. think that it's only like our worlds i mean i don't think i live in like the the wokest of woke worlds like i don't i'm kind of like a loner so i don't i don't really i i live in the world of my own imagination but um it's not like a it's not like a crazy thing to be like wow that seems a little bit off and strange no no i i agree i mean yeah that i i feel like i remember in like middle school uh you know kind of like di learning about like other country other cultures it's like you know that like illustration of like all the different little kids in different like outfits that are like specific like different ethnicities like there's like a little Eskimo kid and there's like a little like Japanese kid and there's a little like Indian kid and it's like they're all holding hands and they're around a globe like that's what that reminds me of is this idea of like sharing culture is like you know this this kind of like that's like the kind of mission of um, inclusion is this idea that you have to share these things that are so different and you have to get you people, you have to get white people used to it and they have to try to make a dumpling to understand who you are as a person. And I, I or feel that like, like the dumpling becomes who you are. Exactly. Exactly. And I would say that like, it, it feels outdated, but in an interesting way, it kind of feels like the way that TV would address that, the way that the pro program like Real Housewives would address that because, you know, they are trying to be contemporary enough where they're doing like representation because representation is like the new word for that kind of vibe in a lot of ways. And like, if it's done mm -hmm. wrong, it's like, that's the new word for that, right? And it's like, so they're trying to do that and be like, oh, a different identities and like, you know, Garcelle cooks a Haitian meal. I'm like, I don't think there's anything like obviously wrong with that, but there is this kind of like 
old school thing about it that feels like this kind of handholding of this group of white women into the culture of these women of color. And like you said, it's very symbolic. It's like the food. It's like the kind of like the party, the Chinese New Year party that they had. You know, it's 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 very symbolic kinds of like tethers to identity, which feels mm-hmm. both outdated and pretty like spot on for like a kind of really not uh really not like critically thinking identity politic mission in like well I mean do you remember I think it's like season oh no no because you never saw season one or two of Atlanta but in like season no I saw season season one no I saw season so I think in season one of Atlanta which is what year 2007 it's a long time ago so but but in see like Kim was the the only white woman on that show and Nini's like having a barbecue Right. Or like a Nini's having a barbecue and Kim's like, I don't want to go there. The only thing they're going to have to eat there is chicken. And then the reunion, Nini's like, that was fucking racist. And she's like, it's not racist. All you eat is chicken. And Nini's like, that's fucking racist. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just feel like on other shows or like on predominantly black shows like Atlanta, mm-hmm. I think that it's been like issue or not not issues but I think that like the whole food thing the whole like your culture is about the food and like yeah. I want to learn about you or like just like really deep-seated like American stereotypes against like black people or like any yeah. person of color I think that those have been dealt with earlier on in the predominantly black shows but I think that like there's still it's like an extremely antiquated understanding of like racial difference in the shows that have always been predominantly white you know what I mean definitely Well, you know, I've always felt like connected to the Real Housewives, obviously, like I've always loved watching it. And I've always felt like, you know, like it's obviously like trashy, but it's like it's always fun. And like, I feel like I'm invested in it on some like level of like I'm not. I don't know. I don't feel like outside of its viewership, like I don't feel like it's not for me. And I feel like lately, like I'm just realizing like. I think after we talked about on the first part of our recap, which we, which is on our Spotify and Apple music um, or Apple podcast, uh, where we talked about it being like daytime TV, like TV for old people, like, like daytime TV, like, you know, reunion show, like judge, like court daytime court shows. I feel like I'm like, I have this like brain worm of thinking about that and I'm watching it through this lens. And like, I was even watching a little bit of, I've never really watched watch what happens live, but I started watching a little bit of it and it is so bad. It's like so daytime television, like the way that the housewives is done, like really tastefully. And like the production is like gorgeous. None of that in watch what happens live. It's like so gimmicky. It's like Andy Cohen's like really putting on his talk show host jacket And I feel like this kind of form of like, watch what happens live. Like what could happen? It's live. And like the kind of wait and see what's next. And like even Erica in this reunion said, well, you're just gonna have to wait and see what I do. Feels to me very outdated. And I feel like it goes back to your point about like the immediacy of like a lot of these like reality stars that are like TikTok stars because like I just feel like this idea of like watch what happens you don't know what's going to happen it's just not true anymore we know what's going to happen we're going to find out what happens yeah I mean I always I've always uh or not always but recently I've been thinking about the similarities between like the tone of watch what happens live and keeping up with the Kardashians it's like a taunt 
right it's almost like this childhood taunt like watch what happens live like you better wait and see or keeping up it's like like are you able to keep up with the kardashians right it's like this it it, it's really like reaching out to as ariana ryan's would say the you of youtube yeah right (laughs) which that's this like that's such a great line that always sticks with me but it but right it's the you of youtube it's the it's that's about you yeah talking to it's pointing to you right and that's who they're asking they're saying you watch what happens live like yeah do it i dare you or like can you keep up like keeping up like you are keeping up with the kardashians um and i've always right. and i'm right and the reunion as we've talked about it's it's really it's it's letting the public the masses <laughs> so to speak uh come into play or come into conversation with these people which are otherwise so inaccessible and we can go obviously we'll go back to that but i think on on that note i want to just quickly pivot to what's been in the headlines for the past like what 24 48 hours with dorit and pk so dorit kemsley and pk which is dorit i think was like held at gunpoint these like three men three armed robbers entered through like the side entrance of her house through her children's classroom. So that was interesting about the article. It had all these references that if you watched the show, you would know about. Like, we know where her children's classroom is because they filmed in there. Again, these people on these fucking shows, it's like Kim Kardashian in Paris, like you're telling people how to rob you. So but that was also, sorry, that was a note in the reunion yesterday. Yes, remember? yes, yes. Where so, Andy so, was like- Wait, first, first, let me just okay. recap the robbery. So basically she was- home alone pk was abroad and uh three men entered her house and she woke up to them at the foot of her bed terrifying they had guns and she said please don't kill me i have babies they're in the other room like i am a mother and one of the robbers said kill her she did not die she's alive but for 20 minutes 20 minutes her house was ransacked and they stole like a hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff well, yeah, there's like a whole little thing in the because they're talking about like how it actually starts with Dorit where Andy's like, so Dorit, you buy all the clothes that you wear because Dorit like only wears like like designer, but like Gucci or like Louis Vuitton or whatever. Right. And she's like, yeah, I do. And then they're talking about, wow, like all of you have such nice clothes. And it goes to the moment when like Lisa Rinna is like, oh my God, like I keep all my like 1996 Tom Ford, like vintage. I love that scene. I have to say, I'll just like tens of thousands of dollars. I mean, hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of clothing. She's like, I just keep in my garage. And Andy was like, do you remember? Like I texted you immediately after that aired. I was like, put those away. Like you cannot tell people where those clothes are and she's like oh yeah like they're in a very safe special place now like yeah they're not in my house right right because I, I mean it's uh what's that what's that movie uh the with emma watson it's about the real people who bling stole ring. bling ring right they go to these paris like hilton teenagers stuff. who are just like stealing from like paris hilton and like whoever was on the hills like it's always the reality stars they're the you know what I mean? Target. People steal from because those are the people who are flaunting their wealth the most. And I, I mean, I just wanted like the point that I was thinking about or like what I wanted to say. It's like, yeah, like, and I've said this all along, like being that wealthy is a crime. It's, right. I mean, it's criminal. It's not literally criminal because it's fully accepted by law, but it's wrong. Like you can't be that wealthy. Like, fuck that. Like people who are that wealthy should die. And I don't mean mothers should die, but I think that like that type of wealth 
should be criminal, but because the legal system doesn't punish it, I think that you see that uh, we don't know their names, but you see people who are holding Dorit at gunpoint, Kim Kardashian at gunpoint, possibly holding Lisa Rinna at gunpoint, who are acting as the law or the judge of everyone mm-hmm. else who doesn't have the type of wealth, mm-hmm. right? And I don't think that it's an issue of like, oh, she's a mother. Like, of course, I don't want a mother to die. I don't want anyone to die. Um, I don't like I don't think guns should exist, but I do think that that wealth is disgusting and horrible and wrong. Yeah. And I don't and I feel like the like that type of person or Dorit or Kim or whoever, they're like modern day like Raskolnikovs, but even worse, right? Mm-hmm. From from crime and punishment who like does the crime. Mm-hmm. And then for the the whole of like the 1000 page book is like it it eats away Right. At him. Right? right. Because he's like, I've committed this crime, but it all, but was it a crime? Was it not a crime? Like, I don't know. And then he finally admits it to the, I mean, whatever. I haven't read crime, crime and punishment in a while, but I'm trying to, I'm, what I'm, I'm, the point that I'm trying to make is like the, the delusion of the criminal to think that what they've done is, is justified. And yes. the reason I'm saying that they're worse is because the, they justify their crime of wealth without even understanding that their logic is a ju- is a logic of justification. Yeah, for sure. I also feel like there's this element of like their aspirational aspects of showing off their wealth, like similar to the Erica Jane criminal situation. Like it does give people tangible, like ways of knowing what they can steal from them. And it gives like the FBI tangible evidence of what Jen Shaw's worth is. Right. And we also talk about the the reunion itself as a type of like criminal hearing. Yeah. Or a type of court, holding right. court. The other thing that I've always noticed about the reunion is, and I wonder how this kind of plays in or what we can think about in this, is that like it also has this real like group therapy energy. Andy Cohen is both like the judge and, or we decided he wasn't the judge. He's like the executioner, but he's also (laughs) kind of like the therapist. And um, like today, Kyle and Kathy were like having like a heart to heart moment. And Kathy says, you know, I think you're our psychiatrist. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that, uh, you know, Kathy said to Kim, like, I mean, to uh, Kyle, Mm-hmm. The K names, they just, <laughs> um, Kathy said to Kyle, one of the reasons I went on the show is so I could spend more time with you because so much of your life is consumed by the show. Right. I think the show plays a really big role, obviously, in the life of Kyle Richards. Um, so to go on the show is also in like a very realistic way, um, in a way that's like real, realer than reality. Or in a way that is reality when reality is a noun and not an adjective as in reality television. Um, I, I think that it actually lets them be closer to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that like Andy Cohen is this. I mean, he he's a he's not as rich as they are in many ways. He's less powerful than they are. But in a lot of ways, he's the only reason that they've been able to achieve what seems to be their ultimate goal in life, which is to be popular 
and famous and have more money than they ever thought they could have. Sure. Right. And to be seen as successful woman. Yeah. Which is why Kathy was even like, when I said I was going on the show, people were like, well, don't lose your temper. Right. People go on the show to look good. They mm-hmm. don't always look good because people are crazy. Yeah. And the cameras are tricky and they don't want you to look good. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I think that through that, like I think that Andy and the reunion has positioned himself as like, Okay, so um, this is this okay. Maybe this is a little. I haven't thought through the wording of this, but mm-hmm. hear me out. Sure. So, I think that the binary between, and this is not just my thought. This is like critical race theory one hundred and one, right? The binary between men and women cannot be taken fully seriously because r- race right, is a part of the divide between men and women. Mm -hmm. So instead of like men versus women, it's like white woman, black woman, white man, black man. And it, Mm -hmm. you know, et cetera, goes on and on. That's okay. I'm just condensing because it's a larger point, right? Yes. Yes. And a white woman is not the same as a black woman. It's not the same as an Asian woman. You have immigrant woman. You have all these different types of women, all these different types of genders. Um seen through the eyes of the class or the whoever who makes the genders who understands mm-hmm. that as the binary mm-hmm. um and i i think that wealth right socioeconomic status has a big part to do with the gender binary as well right rich woman is different than poor woman of course rich white woman rich black woman yeah. rich white woman poor black woman like they're all different types of of women and and men and genders and whatevers and i think that andy cohen in this has actually positioned himself as an other, as an extraterrestrial, as like the, as like a certain Ooh, type. I love that. Man. Andy as extraterrestrial. Right. I think that, I think that through this, he actually is outside of their gender binary of rich woman because mm. they're not all white. So it's just like theirs is like the rich woman and the rich man who are their husbands or their ex-husbands, right? Because none of them have never been married, even if they're divorced. But then there's Andy Cohen. He is like a single, rich, white, gay man. Yeah. And that's a very particular type of gender in their world. So I think that like through his positionality in terms of the gender dynamics, which the show enforces consciously and subconsciously yeah, to them and the viewer, I, I think that there's a lot going on with what he's allowed to say to them um, and the ways that he's allowed to make them think. And I, you know, because it's like he's not as rich as they are, but he's also the one giving them their money and their fame. Yes. Does that make any, that was like a long winded thing. And I think I was saying a lot there, but, but basically I think that that point ties together a lot of what I'm trying to say about like wealth as a crime, race on the show. Crystal Dorit mm-hmm. in the position of Andy Cohen and the reunion as a genre or the yeah. reunion as like a strange surreal escapism. Sure. Yeah, I think I totally I mean, yeah, I think I think unpacking Andy Cohen's like role is like pretty endlessly fascinating to me. And like I feel like you see it in practice in like you see it in practice in like this reunion and in part two, you know, where He's basically rapid fire asking Erica questions. 
And I was really struck by the pace of that, you know, like usually it's not that fast, but it was, he really took on this role of like the boss of the show, the boss of the narrative, because the questions he asks decide what, where the conversation goes, right? He's the host. He's so much a host, the host, which is interesting to think about maybe, you know, well, that's also, sorry, sorry to cut. That's very extraterrestrial. I was just going to say that like alien, right? Like alien, like, uh, oh, this is, yeah. Like the host is what, you know, incubates the parasite. Um, You know, actually, yeah, let me, let's just pause on that. Let's just think about that. The host, it's like a host is kind of by definition, like the mouthpiece. You, You understand that they are speaking and acting in such a way to, I'm thinking specifically about reality TV. You understand that they are acting in a specific way to further the narrative of the show. Yeah. Well, I, I thought of two things immediately that came into my mind with thinking about like, like extraterrestrial host. I thought about, and this is so embarrassing, like Hunger Games host. So that's one host that I thought of is like this very like dark, like, uh mouth literally smells of blood host mm-hmm. like it's the host who welcomes everyone but is also completely complicit in the crime of hosting right Ooh. of observation right yeah. observation is a complicity um and i also think of i think it's yeah i also think of hildegard von bingen's Skivias, mm-hmm. which is when Hildegard von Bingen is this um, medieval female prophet. Yeah. The sure. first female prophet, along with Julian of Norwich, but because it was medieval, they couldn't communicate. So they both thought they were the first. Anyway, she's on like her deathbed or she's very sick and she has these visions and she says them. And one of them is just like, they're like pages upon pages of talking about like, the body of Christ or God as like the church, but the church is also like this womb and God is a woman, but also a man and God is everything. And to me, the church becomes this like this space of hosting, like Mm. God in, in their belly, in their uterus, in their vessel, right. The vessel is this welcoming host of the host of the coming holy. So those are like the two hosts that Im- that immediately come to my mind, right? It's like and and you know the Hunger Games in like a and the Hunger Games is not like necessarily new and it's thinking I feel like there are a lot of science fiction or like dystopic future writing that's about like the world in which we watch others destroy themselves for the pleasure of the rich, mm-hmm. right? Like that's like a very old trope. Um well, Squid Games also. Yeah, but Squid Game comes after Hunger Games. No, I know, but I'm, just, but I'm just thinking about right now. That's still right, and, and, exactly. and like Parasite, like it's still interesting. People always love that narrative, right? And Squid Game and Hunger Games. First of all, it's a game. Second of all, it all takes place in a vessel. Hunger yeah. Games, right, takes place in that vessel, and Squid Game takes place on the island, yeah. and even something like Parasite takes place in the house. Yes, and I think that these are all like, and you know, and and the reunions all take place on on sets. Yeah. And sets that are made to look like sets that are all referential about some small detail of the show. 
Right. So it's like, I think that there's a lot of similarity between like, if you think of the host as both this like extraterrestrial and godlike body, which is bigger than like a human body. I think that that actually becomes quite, quite interesting when you're thinking about the role. Yes, I think so too. I would also say that when you talked about, you know, Hildegard, I, you know, what comes to mind for me is the Sibylline prophet, the Sibyl, uh, like the host and the prophet relationship, Mm. right? Like, so they host God, right? Yeah. They're vessels for God's word. And the Sybil is really interesting because she is one of the only female prophets who like speaks in I statements. Like, so it's not like she's overtaken and just like somebody else's voice, the voice of God comes to her. She speaks with her own agency and speaks the prophet, the prophecies through herself, like as I, and, you know, I've always been obsessed with that and interested in that. Um, especially this idea of like the voice and like embodiment. And I think that that relationship between host and prophet is interesting too with Andy Cohen. Cause like he is kind of like this prophet character in this way that he has, like, he kind of built this media empire that like, you know, he saw, he saw an opening for that in the culture or saw a need. Yeah, for sure. And I think that Hildegard is also, you know, all the female prophets are like interesting in their certain like way because they all like claim agency because they're women. Right. The medieval binary. Yeah. You know, Um, but Hildegard is fascinating because she says she was like, God, actually, like God did not enter me. God did not like rape me. Right. God was already in me. Right. And I got sick. And the only way to cure my sickness was to push him out, which right. in my undergrad papers, I was like, it's her period. <laughs> she was having her period. But that I think, I, you know, it's uh, not fully fleshed out. But um, but right now, I mean, it's like it's so I guess in a certain she wasn't a host. She would she wouldn't say that she was a host, but she would say that in her visions, she understood the, 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 the church to be a corporeal body yeah. or metaphor oh, yeah. in which God was hosting the human. That shit is right? so good. My favorite. I know it's so good. I'm obs- um, it's, it's never not good. I'm always like, Oh yes, baby. Well, because it's like, it's just like, it's, it's such a different language. And it's like, I feel like yeah. when you go farther away from like the idiom, it, or, or just like the conversational language, the stranger it gets because like, and because, because language is weird, dude. Like it's like conversational language is like the closest we can get to like communicating with each other. And this is like, yeah. now I'm like sounding like I'm really stoned, but the farther you get away from like how conversation work, the weirder it sounds just because like, it's a weird way of like communicating with each other. Well, for um, sure. And I, and I think, Sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say that's also like, I think why the reunions are so fascinating. I was going to say, yeah. Right, because they're all, we're really on the same page tonight. It's systems of communication. Yeah, because they're just going back and forth and it's incredibly idiomatic, but it's also incredibly self-referential, which is also like a point that I think that we can make from what you just said about Andy Cohen creating this empire that inherent, that not inherently, but like is intrinsically self-referential. Yeah. Yeah, I think it hosts itself. 
It's an Ouroboros. Oh, oh, it's, I mean, we come back to that. I mean, I think that's basically the thesis of this podcast is like the Ouroboros of like content. Thinking about this stuff in terms of like systems of language and conversation is like so key because like the reunion is such a tool. It's like such a little system. It's such a mechanism. And if you watch through housewives, you're like up on the reunion, what you're up on, like what the reunion means, how it functions. I'm not as like invested in these current shows, like watching them in current time is a lot less satisfying for me than watching them back in like a frenzy of like obsession. Well, but I also wonder if like, if it's ever been important for them, because I've also, you know, I've been rewatching Vanderpump Rules and I've also been watching Vanderpump Rules week by week. It loses its luster, right? When it's, when you're watching it week by week, because that's not how like life works. Like you want, like if you're watching a reality show, you want all of it at once. You want it to like continue, 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 repeat, repeat, repeat as reality does. Right. But it's kind of like fast forwarding, like back when vcrs were a thing when we were oh yeah be kind remember when you put the vcr in but and you needed to like physically fast forward and you had to rewind it and give it when you gave it back right but remember you could see you could either you could press fast forward once and you could see the movie going by really fast (laughs) wow i'm like born in 1996 bitch (laughs) i know and that's not even that old no, like we're like really not. But like we're still like remember the VCR. <laughs> but I feel yeah. like that's what, like what reality television is. It's just like this embodied fast forward of like what life is, and I think that that's why like you want to watch it yeah. over and over again, and why it's like I just I stop caring about these right. lives if I have to like wait a week to see the rest of it because it's like I might as well just be living my boring fucking life. Know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like that is totally true that it's like this fast forward kind of function. But what always gets me about reality TV and why I think I keep coming back is because every once in a while you get this moment when the fast forward somehow stops and you feel kind of still because of the thing that the person is talking about is so interior and emotional. And what I'm specifically talking about is like, Jenny on Salt Lake City talking about how she's had 13 miscarriages and lost and she only has she has three children who are like alive and well she lost a baby at birth um and she's basically going through this part of this drama of the show like this current season is that her fucking husband is like pressuring her to have more children and this woman clearly cannot have any more children and it's life-threatening for her to have children And I don't know what it is. Maybe I'm just like a sucker and I'm like, I'm just playing into the playing into what they want me to feel. But like, that's what it is about these shows that always keeps me like coming back. Truly is like these moments when like somebody's going through something or processing something that's like really, really, really deeply emotional and like deeply personal and that's when the fast forward kind of mechanism to me kind of like feels like it stops a little bit and it feels like it's like okay let's like focus on this like still moment yeah I think that the only the only times I have pause on watching these that moment of stillness is for the deaths on the show because I think that death for me 
for many people is it's no joke. And I don't think that you can make light of a death. And you have Candy's fiance, you have Taylor's husband, Jill's husband. uh, Well, now Nini's husband. Greg Leakes. Greg, Nini's husband, uh, Bethany's boyfriend. um, Oh, Dennis, that was a hard one. Right. And those are the moments when you see the real grief and the real right. pain and the real fucked upness, which is which is death. The 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 real complicated, horrible everlastingness of this moment when someone just dies and you're like, for me, I always have this strange moment of like, weren't they supposed to live forever on the show? Like, wasn't yeah. the show supposed to save them in a right. certain type of way or preserve them? Right. Um, preserve, reserve. You well, know? Well, like, well, death yeah. is kind of the ultimate moment of like actual life, death life, but you know, like actual like life stepping in. Like that's something you can't a show can't prevent. Like with like with yeah. Phaedra's husband who goes to jail, it's like, oh, this is like some outside factor that like production has nothing to do with. And like I think it's those moments that like this. Sh- there gets like a wrench thrown in the moment for me. Yeah, no, and it's so weird. I think you're totally spot on that. I'm just going to really quickly, like, I think that I am feel like maybe, I think I thought I was talking about some like broad category of kind of like things that happen, but I think it is about grief. I think the moments of loss are what for me make me take pause. And there's a lot, obviously in a reality show in following somebody's life, life is full of loss. And there's a lot of very, very sad, tragic loss in the housewives, like a lot, you know, even if it's not a literal, even if it's not a, a death, there's people are, these women are losing things a lot of the time. Right. Which is also something that you can say about Kyle losing her stuff, Dorit losing her stuff. Right. Him losing her stuff. I think that these are also moments where the, you know, it's very Freudian, mourning and melancholia. But instead of the person be- becoming an object through their loss, I think that you can make an argument that the objects have have become humanized in a way. Mm-hmm. And then when they're lost, they retain their object status and they've become incorporated into the bodies of these women. Yeah. Right. I would love to actually reread Morning and Melancholia and to think about like the yeah about like the robberies in terms of that essay and in terms of like these women's relationship to their objects. Yeah, we should do that. We should do that. Again, I feel like you know, we went into this podcast being like, what are we gonna talk about? But I think that then it's just like what like let's talk for another five hours about it. But there's always something. You know, that was great. There's always something. Yeah. There's something there. That's like our tagline. There's something there. There's something there. Um, there really is. There's, there's something there. We're going to f- we're gonna keep finding out. We're going to keep digging. We're going to keep finding little We're going to keep and- digging until we, uh, until we find the bottom of that hole. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, thanks for listening and um, stay tuned. Uh, we have an episode coming out with a very special guest soon. Um with Gracie Hadland, where we discuss the architectural digest open door videos, which are, uh, which are, I'm sure, you know, they're pretty uh, wild. So stay tuned for that and stay tuned for our recap of the final part of the reunion. And then I guess we're going to have kind of a new crop of shows to dive into with the ending of Beverly Hills. Yeah. 
Yeah, we will. All right. Well, okay. Bye. Toodles as always. (laughs) Bye. Bye. Money can't buy your class. Money can't buy your class. Elegance is learned, my friends. Elegance is learned, oh yeah. Money can't buy your class. Money can't buy your class. Elegance is learned, my friends. Elegance is learned. How many men there are that forget to hold the door? so much more than they can imagine money rich and manners poor never got the boys too far money talks but i just walk when i can't stand it and the primary mistake texting on a date if you make a lady wait she'll take a pass the lesson all should learn even if there's cash to burn respect yourself because no one else can change your path money can't buy your class the men you've met to exemplify their very best behavior when entering a room greet everyone and soon you'll be invited and entitled to the grandeur your company should feel when a conversation's real even if the topic feels like science class you can tell where someone's been without even asking him he's either rude or has some style and panache Money can't buy your class Money can't buy your class Elegance is learned My friends Elegance is learned Oh yeah Life is all about elegance and flair And savoir-faire You don't have to be rich or famous To be unforgettable Ha <laughs> ha It's not about where you're from, it's about what you've learned. Money can't buy your class. Money can't buy your class. Elegance is learned, my friends. Elegance is learned. Money can't buy your class.